0: Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hello everybody and welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Your host, David Gill here. Hope everybody is having a fantastic week. I definitely am. Um, Real quick, I wanted to say I'm switching up the uh, podcast just for this week uh, because I wanted to do my regular episode on Apple but obviously Apple's conference is on Wednesday so I'm gonna have to switch it so my roundup uh, weekly my weekly roundup episode is gonna be this one and my next episode will be my regular longer form monologue episode, and that will be covering Apple. So just kind of switching it up this week a little bit. I think it will be uh, just fine. So today's will be a little quicker than your normal scheduled, regularly scheduled programming. Um, Anyways, before we get into everything that I want to talk about, um, I wanted to say real quick that uh, we have more interviews lined up uh, with some really, really awesome guests. I'm really excited. Uh, I can't yeah, no, I can't say who we have just yet, but if you have not been listening to some of our other interviews, you definitely should. So just scroll back in your podcast feed, whatever app you're listening to it on. Um, yeah, just really excited. We keep getting uh, more people agreeing, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy those as well. Speaking of interviews, um, I am, I wanted to give a couple thoughts, and I'll get into it in a second, on the uh, Elon Musk-Joe Rogan interview interview. Uh, I thought it was great, but I thought there's some things that people did not talk about or glossed over that I thought were very interesting and insightful, especially for Tesla shareholders and business people in general. But I'll get into that in a second. Of course, everyone, you know, reacted to him taking half a puff of, uh, marijuana, that weed. Uh, But anyways, that was not what I took away from it. I took away some business insights that I thought were fascinating. And plus, by the way, that podcast is now the most downloaded podcast episode ever in the history of podcasts ever. I I believe, I don't know the exact numbers, but I've seen people kind of estimating about 30 million downloads on that podcast. So congratulations to Joe Rogan. That's the Elon Musk effect. I hope he comes on again. Elon, if you're listening, feel free to come on here anytime. I will take 30 million downloads any day. Anyways, uh, let's get into today's show. So, some Elon Musk hidden gems from that episode. Obviously, everyone talked about the AI and the future. Of uh, you know, downloading brains to computers and all the other stuff that he uh, talked about. That's not what I wanted to focus on. Uh, not that none of that, not that it isn't fascinating. I've 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 been researching those topics myself for years, but that's not what I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about one thing that he said, or just a couple things that he said that I thought were very insightful. As far as you know, Tesla shares dropped the next day. I believe like six or seven percent, um, and a lot of people said it was because of you know him drinking whiskey and smoking weed on a podcast. Which okay, fair enough. I mean, if you disagree with that, that's fine. Um, but uh, what excited me, and I'm not a shareholder, uh, but what excited me about the podcast was the way he talked about companies and how, uh, obviously, his companies and how he treats his products and how he thinks about the consumer and the thing that really put it all, he put it, put it perfectly was saying that he, he tries to make a Tesla car something that you can buy that when you're buying it, you're buying pure joy. That there's not many products out there that you buy and you just instantly get gratification and joy and you really, really love this product. And most companies don't think this way. You don't think necessarily how can I make my customers love, love, love this product, this service, this whatever. And I think that's that's really what separates Tesla because that's that's been the the, the motto, the MO of Tesla from day one is making products, in this case a car or cars that people just Love. There's no car out there unless you buy a Ferrari or something. But at least at the lower level uh, of you know kind of regular cars, there is no car that will give you that feeling of joy like a Tesla. And there's so many hidden Easter eggs that he was talking about, uh, and so many so much thought and so much care that's put into his products. That I just thought that was great. And I think you know to hear the CEO of a company say that is great. Uh, That's what you want to hear. And if I was a Tesla shareholder, I would have been very uh, happy to hear, you know, Elon Musk saying that. And I think that's something that everyone who uh, runs a business or works for a company, you know, you should always be thinking, how can I make uh, customers love this? You know, I always try to think, how can I make this person a customer for life? That's the approach that I like to take. And I think a lot of great companies take. And ultimately, That's the goal, right? Because your customers, you know, they pay your bills at the end of the day. And so if you want to have people paying your bills, you have to provide them with great value first and make them love your products, your services, and want to continually come to you. So I thought that was a great point. I didn't really see anyone talk about uh, him saying that. And then also a little further in the Tesla – further down the Tesla rabbit hole – he, Joe uh, Rogan kind of caught him, caught Elon halfway admitting that they're getting into smart home products, specifically uh, a smart AC system and smart thermostats, so that you know if you're in one room, it'll turn off the AC in another, and it'll do all these things automatically. Uh, they talked a lot about solar roofs and the Tesla Pods, the big uh, charging stations, and just overall how Tesla is not just a car company, but they're going to be the uh, Uh, sustainable energy product company of the future and smart product company of the future so everything in your life will be smart and sustainable which I thought was interesting he he couldn't admit to anything on the podcast but he kind of halfway admitted to it because uh, Joe kind of caught him in the middle but um, yeah I thought that was very interesting I think those are great products that you know there's smart thermostats and there's kind of smart AC systems but nothing that's really been fleshed out nothing that's super simple and easy and little work and not outrageously expensive. That doesn't exist yet, and if Tesla can create it, I'm sure they will have a massive uh, market for that. So if you're a Tesla shareholder, I didn't hear anything in that podcast that would discourage me or cause the stock to drop 7%. I think it was more due to the fact of some executive turnover rather than the – podcast itself. But hey, you know what? If people want to sell, uh, that's 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 your right. Your money. Have fun. Uh, I'm not a shareholder myself, but I definitely uh, am a fan of Tesla products, Tesla cars, and Elon Musk himself. I think net-net, uh, he's doing good for society. So anyways, let's move on from Elon Musk, but stay on the topic of electric cars here for a second because I wanted to talk a little bit about ford so ford announced that they are investing 11 billion dollars into trend Now i'm not sure their timeline for this but i assume this is over the next couple of years but they're investing 11 billion dollars um into transitioning to an electric car company so they they know that 10 years from now they want to be selling or that a lot of people are are, are i should say most of the major car companies are going to be electric car companies in the next 10-15 years. And so they want to make that transition as quickly and as smoothly as possible. Um, one of the major things that they announced was a new uh, car called the Mach 1. It's basically an electric Mustang, so they're, they're going to be the It'll be the first you know, American performance electric car, I guess you could say, from the traditional manufacturers. Obviously, you have Tesla and a couple smaller companies. But as far as the classic GM, uh, Chrysler, uh, Ford, you don't really see any performance electric vehicles out of them. You see the uh, Chevy Volt and the Prius, even though it's a hybrid. But you see a lot of... Uh, Non-sexy cars, I guess you could say, and so Ford wants to usher in this new era with a electric Mustang. Um, but another reason that Ford is trying to very much get into the electric vehicle game is that they're trying to gain traction in China because they have really weak sales numbers in China, and China is very quickly shifting towards um, all electric vehicles on their roads within a f- couple decades. China will be almost all electric cars, if not actually all electric cars. A lot of it is dependent on the Chinese government, which has made it clear that they want to transition to a uh, sustainable uh, ecosystem, I guess you could say. So if Ford wants to get into the Chinese market, an electric vehicle is really going to be the only way. you know this this is definitely i mean this is an attempt for them to capture market share in china and but the largest obstacle facing Ford really is their balance sheet and and this is something that i've uh talked about before i talked about a while back but they have massive amounts of debts on their debt on their books um so spending la- large amounts of money on new developments is a risk that has to pay off if they want to remain solvent this is not an option for them. They need to succeed. This is their their last ditch effort of getting back to major profitability and paying back a lot of those debts. They need to lead to be the lead and usher in the electrical uh, vehicle era era in the U.S. While still locking down these foreign markets, they need to shift their manufacturing plants. They need to spend a lot of money to transition. Like you know, a lot of people have been. Uh, looking at Tesla, obviously a lot of the the noise and the the controversy of Tesla is that they weren't meeting manufacturing deadlines and not able to create enough electric cars. But that's because they were creating electric car assembly lines from scratch. And Ford and GM and all these companies are going to have to do the same thing because it's a very different process. Uh, obviously, they already have assembly lines and all of this in place, but. Building a combustion vehicle versus an electric vehicle is almost completely different. I believe actually uh, on the same podcast with Joe Rogan, uh, Elon Musk said that when they tried with the initial Tesla, the Lotus Elise back in 2008, I believe is when they were making that car. Uh, They were taking the Lotus Elise and turning it into an electric car, and he said that by the end of it, they had to use 93% new parts, so that's why they scrapped trying to convert other cars and said, we're just going to make our own cars from scratch because we're going to have to change 90% of the car anyways, and that's my point. Uh, Ford and GM and all these companies that make combustion vehicles, they're going to have to come with 90% new parts, new assembly uh, techniques, and manufacturing lines to develop these cars. So I very much anticipate a lot of these companies having to go through the same struggles that Tesla has been going through for the last couple of years now. And obviously, that's why Ford is saying that they're investing $11 billion because it's going to cost a lot of money to transition from combustion to electric. But like I said, the biggest risk for them is that yeah, I agree. This is the net logical next step. They're going to have to do it eventually. They're going to have to move in, and so they're they're saying, we want to be the first, and we're going to take this chance, and I agree it's the right move, but it's going to be incredibly difficult because – they have competition in all directions, first of all. Yes, they're going to be the first major manufacturer in the U.S. that is doing this, but they still have to compete with Tesla. They still have to compete with a lot of European car makers, and even GM uh, will be competing with them, even if it's not to the same level of investment. So it's going to be lots of competition. And like I said, if, if they have massive debt. So if they don't meet those expectations, if they don't meet the sales numbers that they that they are hoping for, of their electric vehicles after spending another 11 billion on top of the debt they already have. It could be the case that they don't pay back their debt. I mean, they could be, uh, they could go bankrupt essentially. Uh, and, and Ford is the only U S car company besides Tesla, but Tesla's much newer, um, of the traditional car companies, you know, Ford's been around for over a hundred years now. They're the only one that has never gone bankrupt. That streak could come to an end if this does not work out. And again, I agree with their path. I agree that they need to be going down the electric car path because that's the future. And if they want to get a foothold on foreign markets, it's going to be a necessity. But if it doesn't work, there's no other road for them. No, no pun intended. Uh, there's no other road for them because – I don't know, man. It's a tough business. It's a tough business being in the car business. Chevy obviously went bankrupt back in the last recession. And that's the other thing. If we have an economic downturn, it's almost inevitable that Ford would go bankrupt. So they need to make massive amounts of money while spending massive amounts of money to convert to an electric fleet and hope that the general economy stays healthy and that consumer demand stays healthy because if there's an economic downturn and their sales drop – they are going bankrupt. There's just no avoiding it. So tough uh, I would almost said road again, but uh, you know, tough path for Ford ahead of them. I, I I agree with their strategy wholeheartedly, but man, is it scary to be the CEO or anyone working at Ford right now because you've got a lot of work to do and there is no guarantee of success and if you fail, even 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 if you don't just it's not just fail, even if you just miss, you, you you come up a little short, it could lead to bankruptcy. But that's the that's the difficulty of the car business. And again that's why I admire Elon for as much as people like to hate on him you know, the guy's in a very difficult business. It's very difficult to run a car company. I'd like to see someone replace Elon Musk as the CEO of Tesla and do a better job. And again, I think the Ford's current CEO is actually a good CEO. But doesn't matter who the CEO is, this is a very difficult task. I wish them the best of luck. But if they do win, I will say perhaps they could be back to becoming the heroic American company of old. Okay, so next I wanted to talk about smart speakers, and I've talked about the future of voice and audio content many, many times on this podcast, so I'm not going to dive into it again right now, not today. Just scroll back on your podcast feed and you can find plenty of podcasts of me having a monologue all about the opportunity in voice, but today I just want to give a quick update. So the team at Adobe Analytics, um, this is you know the same uh, Adobe as Photoshop and all that. Uh, their analytics team reported that about one third of American consumers now own a smart speaker. Most of those are either Alexa or Google Home smart speakers. Um, but not only that, it's not just that a third currently own them now. They're estimating that after this holiday season, obviously there's lots of gift giving big discounts everywhere, Black Friday, all that, Uh, the number of smart speaker owners will rise to about half of all American households. That's incredible. Half of Americans are going to have a smart speaker in their house. This just further shows the expansion and inevitability of voice being a major part of tech within these next coming years but the most interesting aspect of the report to me besides the mass adoption obviously you know that's a big deal but the most important or I'm sorry the most interesting aspect was what people are now using their speakers for initially and and there's still the big things like uh, basic search and questions or weather things of that nature Um, and people are still using it very much for that but that used to be all people used them for it was a little gimmicky right but the three three of the fastest growing segments of of use cases for smart speakers are these three things which is massive it's number 1 online shopping number 2 hotel and flight and travel research and number 3 ordering food food delivery this means that there's real business and money now Flowing through these voice ecosystems where there previously wasn't or there was previously very little. Those three categories are expected to grow massively and this is what I was waiting for. This is what I've been saying for a long time now if you go back to my older podcast that eventually people will do a lot of shopping and commerce through voice and through uh, audio mediums And you need to be taking advantage of this quickly and getting on top of the ball if you are a company that deals with e-commerce or, you know, travel or food delivery, which is many companies out there. All right. Well, moving on from smart speakers, again, I've I've talked extensively about voice. Let's talk about the final uh, major story of the day. This is a crypto story. I always leave my crypto stuff for the end. But uh, this is interesting. So... The Winklevoss twins, the the same Winklevoss twins uh, who co-founded Facebook or sued Mark Zuckerberg claiming they co-founded Facebook. Anyways, uh, those guys, uh, they have their Gemini exchange, which is just a cryptocurrency exchange. By the way, it took me a minute to understand the name. I mean, obviously, I know what Gemini is, but to make the connection between, get it, the Winklevoss twins... Gemini, haha, ha, very clever. Anyways, uh, the Gemini uh, exchange is creating a stable coin, which, if you don't know what a stable coin is, it's just what it sounds like a coin that is stable. In this case, it is ba- based on the US dollar. So it's a coin that is tethered to another currency, in this case, the US dollar, that makes it easy to convert from fiat currencies like the US dollar, euro. Whatever uh, to crypto, this already exists in other forms. There's Tether and there's um, another one called Dai D A I by Maker. There, there's a few others, but the biggest is Tether. They have a lot of problems though because they are very secretive. They don't disclose the amount of money they have in their bank accounts. They are very. Um, yeah, I mean just secretive. People don't trust them. I personally don't trust them. I think that they lie about the amount of money that they actually have, and that is very problematic when you're supposed to have a 1 to 1 amount. So if, you know, you're claiming you have a, if there's a billion tethers, you're supposed to have a billion dollars in the bank account. Many people don't think that's the case. I personally don't think that's the case. So I'm going to read a quick quote from this uh, TechCrunch article as to why the Winkle Voss. Uh, Gemini dollar is different. So the new currency, uh, start quote, uh, the new currency will be run by the Winklevoss brothers. Uh, The Gemini is pegged directly to the US dollar on the Ethereum blockchain. This means that every Gemini dollar, or sorry, for every Gemini dollar, there is actually one dollar in a bank account. The Gemini Trust Company holds the deposits and has been officially adopted by the New York Department of Financial Services, the regulatory body associated with banking and finance the Gemini dollar. In other words, is the first stable coin to gain a truly official imperator. So they're saying that uh, it's you know when Gem when when the Gemini exchange says we have a dollar for each Gemini dollar, they're actually telling the truth because they're being audited. Unlike Tether or other. Uh, stablecoins out there where you have to take their word for it i'm going to continue the quote um the nydfs requires that the gemini dollars are fully exchangeable for a us dollar and that the gemini will maintain records of their movement very important there the requirements also include uh control i'm going to skip over blah blah blah. it's for like anti-money laundering stuff and then an independent accountant will examine the fiat holding bank account to ensure that all of the stable coins are accounted for. You can convert and withdraw Gemini dollars directly onto the Ethereum blockchain. What all of this means is that there is now a stable regulated coin that should offset some of the traditional volatility of crypto. So that sums it up right there what this new Gemini dollar is. They're going to have fully transparent um, holdings and saying basically anyone can go and look and see how much money we have on our accounts we're going to have third-party uh accounting firms looking into it everything's going to be based on the ethereum blockchain we're not cheating you out of anything we're not trying to scam anybody like many uh tether is so why is this important though you say why do you need a coin that's pegged one-to-one to the dollar so kind of two reasons one they said that already in the in the article Um, There's lots of volatility in crypto, okay? I think everybody knows this. You know, they they fluctuate quite a bit, which doesn't make them great for day-to-day currencies that you need to spend money. And they fluctuate a lot, obviously, because they're much, much smaller. You know, even though Bitcoin is worth a few hundred billion, it's still not worth that much because... And I'm talking about Bitcoin here, but this is obviously Ethereum. This is the second largest, um, or Ether. But Bitcoin is very volatile because... You know, you look at the U.S. dollar, uh, I believe there's 80 trillion U.S. dollars is is the value of the currencies, about 80 trillion, and Bitcoin is worth a couple hundred billion. Okay, well, that's your difference right there. Until, you know, Bitcoin and other currencies are able to get into the trillions of dollars, you're going to see this volatility. The best analogy I've heard is that imagine you're on the rough seas in a boat, You know, the Titanic is the US dollar, it doesn't matter how big your waves are, you're not going to get knocked around very much, and blockchain, or I'm sorry, Bitcoin and other uh, smaller cryptocurrencies are kind of like speedboats. When it comes to big rough seas, big movements, uh, they're going to get knocked around a lot, but Obviously, the benefit is uh, if there's an iceberg coming up, you can very quickly turn around. If you're the U.S. dollar, you're heading straight into that iceberg. But anyways, that's kind of an analogy that I've uh, used before and people seem to get. So that's why there's so much volatility. But in this case, because you're pegging your Gemini dollar to a U.S. dollar, there won't be that volatility. Now, the other major reason why this is kind of important is because it's it's difficult to – so Ethereum is a base protocol. okay? It's a base layer protocol for decentralized applications, for D apps. And to get those D apps, you need to first go take your dollars and buy Ethereum. And then once you buy Ethereum, you need to send that Ethereum to a decentralized exchange. And once you send it to a decentralized exchange, then you can exchange that Ethereum for tokens of the decentralized app that you want to use. Complicated, sounds like a headache and this is why very few people uh, uh, other than the the early adopters have done this the goal of a stable coin is to make it very easy so instead of having to do all that all you have to do is buy gemini dollars and then once you have gemini dollars you can go buy any token or coin or whatever you want that's on the ethereum protocol much much, much more simple, very easy for any person to do. You just take your US dollars and buy Gemini dollars and you're done. That's it. Now you, you have unlimited reign of whatever uh, apps you want to use. And so this is very important because Ethereum is great, but Ethereum, I, I, I relate it to like the Apple App Store. This is a little, it's not exactly a great correlation, but it's, it's, it's a basic explanation for everyone to understand simply, right? The App Store itself is great, but all the App Store is is a platform for you to get other apps and have access to other applications. The App Store itself is not a very good app, right? I mean, obviously, it has its function of providing you with other apps, but but that's all it does it's not like you know the app store is a game or a it's not like you can share pictures on the app store you use the app store to gain access to other applications that's what the ethereum protocol is it's a base layer for the thousands or millions of apps that can then be built on top of the initial ethereum protocol but to have access to those apps you need to first own um ether or in this case you can get gemini dollars that are then able to transfer for those tokens so right now the gemini dollars are only available on the gemini exchange obviously they're doing this as a ploy to bring people on their exchange because they get small fees and they will make money um from those fees so it's very much a marketing attempt but this is something that i think is good i'm not a huge fan of over-regulation but in this case the regulation is reasonable it's just saying we want to make sure that you are not lying to people and being fraudulent about how much money is in your bank account and that you're not manipulating markets like many people believe tether is doing so i think this is good i think it's important and i think especially it's, it's a good middle ground until cryptocurrencies gain more adoption later in the future and they're not nearly as volatile, and systems are built out so that it's much easier to access decentralized apps. But for right now, this is certainly a great solution, and I'm sure that uh, it will be used for years to come. So anyways, guys, that's it for today. I will be talking about Apple's event their big conference, later this week, so stay tuned for that. Anyways, as always, I uh, very much appreciate everyone listening to this. If you did enjoy, please share it with one person who you think would also enjoy it. We were in the top 10 for business, uh, the top 10 charts. Blah, I can't talk right now. The top 10 iTunes business charts uh, for our podcast a couple weeks ago. We're trying to get back there again, crack the top 10. That was pretty cool. So if you could just share And maybe leave a review on whatever podcast app you listen to if you do enjoy. Anyways, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week. Goodbye.